This episode of the Digiday podcast is sponsored by Kiwi. If you're a publisher, you should know Kiwi. Publishers like the New York Times, Refinery29, National Geographic, Tastemade, and BBC all use Kiwi to distribute content profitably on Facebook. Yes, profitably. To see how, see a demo at kiwi.co slash digiday. That's K-E-Y-W-E-E. Kiwi, making stories relevant and powerful. Martha Stewart was an influencer before we had Instagram filled with influencers. She has provided in many ways the blueprint for a personality-led lifestyle brand that stretched from content to commerce. I'm Brian Morrissey, and this is the Digiday Podcast. In this week's episode, I am joined by Elizabeth Graves, the editor-in-chief of Martha Stewart Living. Elizabeth and I discuss modernizing the brand for a new, younger audience, how Snoop helps Martha stay relevant to young people, and the importance of taking a brand beyond a personality. Hope you enjoy it. Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So editor-in-chief of Martha Stewart Living, Martha Stewart as a brand is 28 years old. Is this a legacy brand? It is a legacy brand for sure. Okay, so how do you, uh, is modernizing the brand a, a something you're trying to do? Definitely, but I don't think it needs a lot of work in that area. I mean, it's a, the topic of life made better has always been one that's relevant in good times and bad times and um, with any demographic. Um, it's just, you know, always being in touch with how people are living now and modernizing our, our ideas to fit their life um, and what they're doing and what they care about and what's on their mind. Um, but the concept of improving life to how you live, to how you eat, to how you take care of yourself um, is one that we've been doing for a long time mm-hmm. and, and we don't need to change that. But give me an example of the kind of, the kind of things that you would focus on now that Martha Stewart uh, living wouldn't have maybe like five years ago. I think we're really cognizant of that fact that our reader is in homes in suburbs, but also in the city. So if we do a story on how to plant vegetables, it's whether you have a small pot or a big plot. And it isn't just focusing on the bigger plot aspect of things, because we know that that's something that's really relevant to our younger reader who's just learning and our older reader who has been doing it for a long time. So I think we're always cognizant of how they live as well as um, their skill level. Um, So I always think of... You know, Martha still wants to learn from her magazine, but what she wants to learn is kind of like the 500 level course. And for people who are discovering Martha for the first time, I need to give them the 101 Mm -hmm. too. So I always think of our stories as kind of spanning many entry points. Um, We used to have a column called 101 and we call it perfecting. And it's the only time I really use perfecting because I feel like that's a dangerous word when it comes to Martha, Um, because it can be really intimidating, even though it's something that she's after. She's after, you know, best in class type things. But for me, perfecting is a way of, you know, taking these classics, maybe it's roasting a chicken, for example. Um, well, we have people who, you know, it's not their first chicken they're roasting, but we would show the secrets to what makes it a really amazing roasted chicken, but also be teaching the 101 to the person who might be out of college and might mm-hmm. be just learning how to do it. So there's, there's lots of kind of points of entry and also, you know, but continuing to aspire, you know, inspire people. Mm-hmm. Inspire is a huge word that we use all the time um, because we know our, you know, 
our audience is kind of a wonderful audience to work for because they uh, they care. They care about every detail of their lives. They care about learning things. They have, like Martha, a voracious appetite for um, trying new things, for traveling. So, you know, we really try to give them things that kind of make them happy and teach and inspire them. Mm-hmm. How big of a focus is getting people into the brand? Because I would think that for younger people, the new Martha Stewart might be on YouTube or on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I well, you know, Martha's kind of the original influencer when it comes down to it. Like she she is she's got the chops. I mean, she from cooking to house, you know, like to sewing, like she really knows how to do these things. She isn't just a sensational person on Instagram. She's not a pretty face on Instagram that can't back up the talent. So But is I, that as important? Is that as important? I think once I think it makes you a legacy brand when you have the chops to keep going. You know, her experience and her breadth of knowledge is deep. There's a lot to go on, um, which I think makes her really, really unique. Um, To answer your question, of course, it's always important to keep reaching to a new audience um, and inspiring a new audience. Um, And in our case, also realizing that we have quite a robust following that, you know, we have people who've, who've, been with us since issue number one, and they've kept every single one of them. Mm -hmm. Where they store them, I have no idea. Not in a New York apartment. But, you know, so we, it's a tall order that we don't take lightly. And, um, you know, but I think if you really stick to the core values of the brand and what we do well, um, and at its base, you know, it is kind of teach Mm -hmm. and inspire, um, there's a lot to, there's a lot to offer. Do you think of living as a magazine brand? Um, I think of it as a brand. I mean, it goes across everything. It is very cross-platform in the sense of, obviously, we have a robust digital audience. Um, You know, Martha was kind of one of the originals when it came to the Omnimedia. That's what she called the company. I remember that. And Yeah, and she's on TV. I mean, think of she has Martha Stewart Cooking School on PBS. She has Bakes. She has Snoop Potluck Dinner Party. She's um, on Mm -hmm. Chopped as a Judge. Um, and you know, Instagram has been a great platform for such a visual brand. You know, we care about our, um, aesthetic so much that, um, you know, taking the time to create amazing pictures so that the print magazine continues to be an experience. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, goes across, you know, we want to be where our audience wants us to be. Does that make the magazine less important? (laughs) If you work for Martha as long as I have, everything's important. You know, everything, you want to do your best. Certainly, you want to focus your efforts. Some mediums aren't the best things for us. Like, do we focus a ton on Twitter? No. You know, it just, Instagram is more being a visual thing. Facebook, um, the magazine, definitely, because it's kind of been a print-led brand in terms of we come up with original ideas, which is a big differentiating point for us. You know, we're creating content. Mm -hmm. But it's one team. It's, it's, it, it, or do you separate magazine from digital? Um, we don't, we work together. Okay. But some people are good at print. Look, some people want to work for a magazine mm-hmm. and that's really their passion. And some people want to do digital stuff, but is it all one? How do you get it as one coherent thing? Well, I think, you know, the, the mediums have different goals and they have to be, um, articulated for properly. Um, so the print, 
uh, people work across both, especially print. You know, when we're, we're when we're coming up with a story idea, we do think about the manifestation of how it will be digitally. Are there any things like that we need to capture in a shoot that we that the site will use? Um, are there social things that we'll use to promote the story and market the story? Um, I don't think any editor should completely you should be thinking about yourself as like a content editor Mm -hmm. of how you can create high quality kind of best in class content and then what's the best execution of it across print or across digital. And for me, it's, you know, the, um, the newsstand's an interesting space, but a lot of people are doing their discovery online. So for me to shoot a story, um, I want to have a social promotion of it so that they both both are talking to each other. But does it spring from the print? I guess that, that's what I I'm think wondering. a lot of it does. But yeah. I mean, digital, we do a lot, tons of unique content. Um, I think the, since we started with print, um, you know, many, many moons ago, that is what the core values of the brand are most shown in. And, and a lot of the people who've worked on print have been with Martha for a long time. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in the same role. Um, I mean, Martha's always been kind of amazing about giving people lots of different opportunities, myself included. Um, but you know, it really has come from knowing what we stand for, kind of sticking to how we, how we do food, how we approach a home, Mm -hmm. how we talk about beauty, how we talk about wellness, um, and having that, uh, hold true online as well. Is that a challenge to evolve, but still sticking true to what, you know, Martha has, I'm I'm doing air quotes has always been about. (laughs) They can see those. Well, because I mean, <laughs> they can't, weirdly. You want to evolve to particularly to new audience tastes. But Definitely. at the same time, if you start to do things that aren't true to the brand, it'll come across as um, as fake. Like if, if it's you start using lit a lot, it doesn't, it's not a really no, good look. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't. Especially our audience like knows this brand so well. And they like that it has a different voice. If you start using getting all inspoed out on them, like they're not, they're <laughs> yeah. not, they're like false, not true. Um, the funny thing though, you know, and we touched upon it a little bit is, but you know, when it co- comes to evolving the brand, the brand is actually like very poised right now to what is now because there's a younger audience and I often think that Martha has more in common with millennials than she does with like the phase that I lived through that got so harried with the tech boom and everyone was busy and everyone want you know here comes the hack like all these shortcuts are born and the a lot of the things that are going on right now aside from like the desire for experience not to necessarily like live solely through a product but like how can i like one example i've worked at many other tit- titles competing titles we would never do a story on like how to make sausage even today i'm still yeah. like, i'm like that's kind of a tall thing but when we look at like what people are doing especially like a millennial audience they're totally up for it and martha loves Millennials that are into sausage making yeah well they want to know and and so they you know they're so that's that's actually a lot of fun cuz i think that um, this brand in so many ways is really, really relevant with everything that's going on in the world that you can open up living or you can go online and, you know, it's true. People are still really busy. They really want their time off to be high quality. And we, that's where we rotate. Like, why not, you know, go home and make yourself like a great dinner? Mm -hmm. Like, why not, um, celebrate like those moments, both big and small, um, and make them, you know, I think like, and I, and Martha would, you know, say the same is like, 
living, you know, it really is a handbook to, to doing just that. Um, it's not the life sense where it's just capturing and reporting on life. It's, it's really like, what, what are these things, these ideas that I could do for my home that will elevate it and make me be psyched to come home and feel like this is a personal representation of my home. Not, it's not about trends. Like I always feel very free that it's like, I'm not ever doing like the top 10 trends you should do. It's more like, what do you love, Brian? Like if that's your favorite color, go with it. Here's 15 different ways to make it, make it yours, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like the, the relevancy is just kind of more helping people discover it yeah. again, but it's, it, it's what we want to do. It's our free time. <laughs> we'll be back after this quick break. With so many changes to Facebook, distributing your content cost effectively is more important than ever. Kiwi helps hundreds of publishers like New York Magazine, Business Insider, Condé Nast, U.S. News, and The Guardian do just that. Whether you're looking to drive more traffic, increase video viewership, drive subscriptions, or sell products online, Kiwi can help you find and target the audiences that matter most at the best price. Visit kiwi.co slash digiday to see a demo. That's K-E-Y-W-E-E. Kiwi, making stories relevant and powerful. Thank you for your support, Kiwi. Check them out. Now back to the episode. So talk about, um, and I think there's challenges and opportunities with a personality-led brand um, because it brings an enormous amount of advantages. I mean, Martha is a gigantic personality, but at the same time, you know, the brand can't always be just about one person, right? Definitely. Um, You know, we've... Uh, I've been working for Martha since 2005 and um, I think we've really come to believe that like we are Martha in a lot of ways like everyone kind of upholds it whether you have our food director who's worked for her for 17 years Um, we you know she is our inspiration we follow the let me put it this way she used to have a flight plan like every time a pilot gets in a um, a plane before they take off they do a checklist and she would teach us like what makes a story what makes a, a Martha Stewart living story um, you know is it is it does it help you live confidently is it how to is it authentic is it beautiful so these are all the things that we really have ingrained in us um, that are the brand as a whole um, it's certainly challenging I mean Martha's like kind of amazing so you don't have to worry I mean you can see what happens when founders and um, can take left turns and take right turns um, she she's really she's out there which is great because we have a huge halo effect um, she's staying relevant um, whether she's you know doing a show with Snoop or um, up for doing another roast um, and um, you know she's very much still involved in the brand now and I, I i i relish it because i still continue to like learn a ton from her and she's usually mm-hmm. right do you think that today's influencers will be able to follow a similar path i mean they're they're all not they're all many are building media entities around a personality um now we call them influencers I think if they have the chops, you know, I, I think that... What, what is the chops? More than just being I, famous? And, more than... You can't just be a pretty face. Um, I think it's... I don't know. <laughs> well, I think... Does, does that last? Does that last forever? Um, I, I mean, mean, look, the Kardashians are... are I'm, sure they <laughs> ha- I'm sure they have chops. Um, but, you know, 
we're recording this here in, in Soho. And I remember about two years ago, um, one of the Kardashians, it was Kylie. Kylie dropped a lip kit across the street. And when Justin Bieber did his thing on the street, the cops were out for a day. When she did her lip kit, the cops were out for a week. Um, it's amazing, I think, the power of some of these, um, and, and the Kardashians are in a different class, perhaps, from other influencers, but I don't know. Having just been attacked by the PewDiePie army, um, I can say that these these new style influencers have an amazing power over oh, a certain group of people. I mean, they're incredibly powerful, for sure, but will it... On a day-to-day basis, they're really powerful, and um, and the entertainment value's there. I mean, they're in, they're entertaining. Um, I think it's really going to be, you know, what the people who last are the people who are going to continue to resonate. And I mean, not to be dark, but long after they're gone, like, is their body of work going to stay on? And a lot of these people are really young. So they have many, many, many moons ahead of them. Um, and, and maybe they will. Um, I, and who knows, maybe keeping up with the Kardashians will play like Lucy and Desi forever, but I don't even know if Lucy and Desi are on anymore. (laughs) So I, 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 but I do think, um, you know, Martha's such a trusted resource. You know, however you might feel about her, everyone knows she does her homework and everyone knows that like her her things kind of turn out. So I, I think that's really important. You know, I think that um, there's always a classic sense of like, you know, did a brand burn you? You know, like did you loved it, you fell in love with it and then it took a right turn or a left turn. Mm. Like for a brand to really last and for a person to really last, um, they have to have a body of work that's going to last. Yeah. I think the jury is out on, on that front. So <laughs> before you moved over to living, you were doing Martha Stewart weddings. I was. Right. So yeah. I find the wedding industry fascinating. Um, explain the, how this industry has become so gigantic. Oh, I, well, it, especially with Instagram and everything social about it and, um, you, you think of the the classic way of planning a wedding has completely changed through um, digital entities planning a wedding on Pinterest, um, looking for inspiration everywhere, and then how it's documented. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's apps to be able to, you know, if you're having a wedding abroad that you can still talk to each other, um, that you can say, hey, we're down at the bar, even if your phones, um, you don't all have international plans, like, everything has changed um, for this new, you know, living in real time couple. Um, How much has Instagram changed it? I, I think you're posting. Wedding hashtags are very strange. Yeah, and, and that's a quick, and it's funny because like hashtags in themselves have also um, been a great way for people to get all the wedding photos they want. You think of, you know, to be able to see them instantly and see it, their wedding from all different points of view, not just their wedding photographers. Yeah. Um, so that, that's Because I can remember going to weddings where they would have like the disposable cameras that were left on every table. And that was the way you got the wedding from everyone's different point of view. No longer. No longer. It's sad. 
Um, the other thing I came into contact with uh, recently was the first look. <laughs> I was told to, to stop walking in my neighborhood because I was about to interrupt a first look, which I had no idea what it was. Oh my gosh, you would have you know put that whole marriage off on the wrong foot if that <laughs> yes. if you screwed up their first look. It's a very fraught moment. It is, and that's a whole you know uh, debate in the beginning of should you not see each other right. because that's an old tradition. Don't see each other for the first um, twenty four hours. But you want a perfect photo. You want a perfect photo when you see each other for the first time, right. even though there's some people who are now like, we're getting our pictures done first. And, and then it still is the first look, technically. I guess everyone has a first <laughs> look, whether you see each other before walking down the aisle or not. But that used to be the first look, walking down the aisle, right? So um, there's definitely more staging, as you can see on your, your street, <laughs> uh, that we're going to have our first look in the middle of the road. Don't get hit. It's quite, it's quite a thing. Let's take a quick break here. Digiday Plus is our premium membership program for those in media, marketing, tech, or even investors trying to get a leg up. Here's how Digiday Plus works. Members get access to exclusive content. Each day we have pieces that are only available to them. And members also get invites to our special events that we have about once a month, early access to this podcast, and also early access to our top story of the day, along with exclusive research we do on a regular basis about industry trends and where the money is going. Please visit digiday.com and you will see the plus tab in the menu bar. Digiday Plus membership is $395 a year, but if you use podcast at checkout, you will get 20% off. Please check it out. Now back to the episode. Uh, so the other thing is you were a beauty and wellness or beauty, excuse me, beauty editor. They weren't, it wasn't wellness then. Yes, I've been many things. I started as a food writer, but um, I did, my first magazine job was actually at Allure Magazine. So I covered beauty and health and now wellness right. a lot. So explain this because I, I, we have a, a sister brand, Glossy, um, that has branched from fashion into beauty and now we're expanding beauty into wellness. And I'm very, very interested in the wellness a space. Well, what, is this just like a fancy word for for health, like what used to call health in, in these magazines? Kind of, but I think it, it's more of like a holistic approach. There are more potions. To, there are more potions. Um, there's a lot of self-care going on. I love self-care. Self-care is interesting <laughs> because it's become... I can be like, yeah, you could eat a cheeseburger and be like, it's, it's self-care. self-care. <laughs> yeah. Self-care is, yeah, it's become like a juicy rationalization to go get a manicure and pedicure. Um, and the funny thing is, by definition, self-care really is something that lowers the, self, the stress response. Yeah. So... Th- the manicure pedicure might lower yours, but like a pedicure personally would raise mine. So um, it yeah. self-care is all a, a little bit um, relative. Um, the wellness thing, I think it arcs from, you know, health like everything else is a bunch of trends. And there's been dieting trends. There's been non-dieting trends. There's been um, certainly a huge moment in kind of like own your shape love you sure. know how you look and i think that's where kind of wellness like comes be the in. best you kind of yeah. thing rather than be more accepting and, and i think care you see yourself. that in magazines i mean magazines it used to be to get the perfect beach body or you and, know, lose stuff and and now it is more about just sort of being your best self i don't know how else to put it and you know mind body spirit right it isn't just like you know what create what but how much do you think like this how much is like technology driving all of this the fact that we seems like we're in culturally a moment of 
backlash against the central role that technology is playing in our lives? I think we are still, it's so new to us in so many ways. Um, You think about the difference of walking down the street 10 years ago. Um, You weren't really faced with a bunch of people walking at you on screens. And um, I, you know, I, I saw a quote last I think it was last week, it might have been in the Times about, um, in Paris, they were deciding to take uh, phones away from kids, that it just, it has no place in the schools. And I think it was the, um, you know, the minister, essentially the principal of the school that said, look, kids don't have the maturity to handle them, and nor do a lot of adults. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, there's so much coming out now that is as you say, feeding to the backlash of like, put down your phone, put down your screen. Mm-hmm. And um, is that you know, as opening? a self-care moment? Right. Um, because, it, you know, there are things as science, as studies kind of come out and say, like, look, you know, if you're if you're kind of scrolling an hour before you go to bed, you're not going to have the best night's sleep. And we mm-hmm. we all love our sleep. So there's there's things that might lead to the tipping point. But I think we're just still learning how to have modern manners around these things. Um, you know, that um, I went into a meeting and it was funny. They're like, oh, that went really, really well. No one was on their phone. No. And I said, gosh, does that happen? Really? And I said, oh, yeah, there's people on their phone. They get up and leave. And I'm like, wow, that is a very unsuccessful yeah. <laughs> um, meeting. But to me, those, uh, well, one of the things that we do at work, we've reported on this, and um, is I don't like having, you know, phones on tables when we're, I mean, I understand that everyone's going to have to have their phone. There's people who are worried about their nanny calling or anything like that, but there's studies that show that it, it can, it makes people anxious. Okay. Even if it's just right in front their of you. Their phone or someone else's phone? Someone else's. Oh, interesting. That it can make the, the conversation feel like this might end at any time because that is going to beep. Um, so, you know, when we're having conversations, we, we usually kind of put them away, even though they're on our person, you know, they are... <laughs> it's funny how you like leave like you leave your phone at home and it's like where's my life raft go exactly um so i think you know it's modern thing it's just this thing we're trying to to figure out and and use properly yeah i used to live in a six floor walk up and um there was it was what do i go back upstairs if i forget and the phone did not rank my wallet yes because i couldn't get where I was going, but like the phone, I wouldn't go back up. Now I, I think anyone, thankfully, I don't live in a six floor walk up anymore. But I think anyone who is in a six floor walk up would have to go back up if they forgot their phone. Most definitely. <laughs> so, so does this is this an opening for print in some way? I mean, the resiliency of books, I think, is really interesting because um, for all of the noise, and this is going back to like the dot com era around eBooks, like the book industry has has held on because books are a break from staring at screens all the time. Definitely. I mean, they're, they're an escape. And, um, we just did a column um, for our September, um, issue. We did a thing on, on reading for Changemaker, just how important reading is, um, in terms of like, you have a longer lifespan when you read books. And the sad thing is like 24% of people in America read a book last year. So for all talk of books doing great, I think they are. Did and they I think they finish it. Only 12% They didn't read a it. single book. <laughs> um, it, I thought that 24% started a book, but only 12% finished. But it, it, I think, I mean, to your point about print is 
I think, you know, storytelling is from the beginning of time something that we've enjoyed and it is an incredible escape. And I think when it comes to print magazines, again, the ones that are right for the medium will continue to do well. Um, If it's content that you'd rather just Google or, you know, that you celebrity news stuff that is definitely more challenged to get in real time. I mean, we, we really do try to make living be an experience that, you know, the pictures take you in and take you away and kind of have a book like experience for you. Right. Okay. Elizabeth, thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. This episode is produced by Aditi Sangal. If you liked our show, and I hope you did, please give it a five-star rating, if I may, and leave us a review, hopefully a positive one. Um, It helps our podcast to be discovered. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and of course, Anchor.fm. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week. Thank you.